Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we take an interesting look at some comparisons between Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. But first, over the weekend, Tom Brady participated in the match, Champions for Charity, and things didn't go so well for the current Buccaneers quarterback. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast brought to you in part by Built Bar. Head to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On for $10 off your first order. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Your Tampa Bay Buccaneers lead story is the match two champions for charity where Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady teamed up with Phil Mickelson to take on Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning in a golf tournament. Uh, things were, were terrible from, from the start for, uh, for the guys where the, the match was delayed for 45 minutes. They were playing in absolute downpours and it, it cleared up a little bit throughout the day but Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady had a he had a rough day out on the course in fact it was one of the few times that I I felt that I was comparable to a professional athlete watching Tom Brady try to swing a golf club and uh, I thought to myself you know what I'm a terrible golfer but I could probably beat Tom Brady on this day he was spraying them all over the place and at one point Charles Barkley got in his ear and he said, Tom, if you make this next drive onto the fairway, I'll donate $50,000 out of my own pocket to COVID-19 relief. And Tom Brady promptly sprayed the ball to the right. And Barkley said, you know what? I should have just said I would donate $50,000 if you could just keep it on the planet. And Tom Brady then followed that up with an incredible birdie shot uh, and and he proceeded to tell Charles Barkley to suck on that and take some of that medicine. All in all, it was an incredibly entertaining event for a nation that is starved for some sort of live sports. You know, the last dance with Michael Jordan on ESPN, that helped a lot, but it was all stuff that it was old. With Tom Brady teaming up with Mickelson and, and Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning for this live golf event, Sports was was back as close as it's been in months. And Tom Brady, Peyton Manning came away victorious, up by one hole when all was said and done. And it was it was fantastic. They raised $20 million for COVID-19 relief. And not only that, but Russell Wilson, Seahawks quarterback, joined the broadcast at the 16th hole where the players did a closest to the pin and a hole-in-one challenge. And Russell Wilson even said, you know what, Sierra and I, his wife, Sierra, we will donate 100,000 meals to families for every shot that gets within 12 feet of the pin. So when all was said and done, Russell Wilson and his wife, Sierra, donated 300,000 meals to families in need during this time because Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Phil Mickelson all got within 12 feet of the hole on their tee-off. So really great event. It, it humanized Tom Brady so much because he was able to go out there. He had a bad day. 
but he had fun with it. He was still laughing. He was still enjoying himself. He was still joking around with Peyton Manning a little bit. And, uh, you know, he was still a, a good sport about it on Twitter, tweeting to, to Tiger Woods on Tuesday saying, you know, a great event and a great cause, winners all around. It was so fun having millions watch me shank shots, ask for lost ball rulings, and rip my pants wide open. Can't wait to do it again. P.S., now that I've tried your sport, will you try mine? Tagging Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson in the tweet. So, again, and it was a fun event. It was a lot of laughs. Peyton Manning was just as hilarious as he always is and such a great cause for these athletes to get out there and do that. So, it was unfortunate to see you know, Brady's first professional outing as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer end up in a loss, but – you know what probably would have helped him out there on the golf course, David? And that was if he had probably packed a couple of Built Bars. Built Bars, you mean the best tasting protein bar you were ever going to taste? You guys already know that Built Bar has been sponsoring this show. They've been sponsoring the entire network for the entire month of May. And guys, I'm really ecstatic and happy to say that because of your support, because of what you guys have done in taking advantage of that, of that Built Bar offer, uh, I mean, to be honest with you, James and I have also taken advantage, as have many locked-on hosts uh, taking advantage of that offer as well. Uh, They've decided, they're so excited about the uptick in traffic to their site and the the excitement they're seeing on social media. You guys continue to pour in on Twitter and tell us that you're ordering your boxes, receiving your boxes, and leaving us your reviews of these Built Bars, that they've actually agreed to an annual deal with the Locked On Podcast Network. So don't expect Built Bar to go away anytime soon. And of course, if you're listening to this for the first time, they've got amazing flavors of chocolate and nut flavors, and they've also got chocolate and nut-free flavors. Those nut-free flavors, for those of you who have nut allergy concerns, either with yourself or a loved one nearby, are made in a completely nut-free facility, so you have no worries of cross-contaminations. The chocolate and nut-flavored bars are made in a completely different facility, so they, they go the extra mile to make sure you guys are all safe. I am I'm anxiously waiting my first three-flavor Built Bar box that I built myself containing peanut butter brownie, mint brownie, and banana nut bread. Uh, The mint brownie bar has 15 grams of protein, 110 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and just 5 grams of net carbs. Of course, you can take advantage of this offer if you haven't already by going to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. This entire week, Monday through Friday, Built Bar is also taking $5 off of every box of Built Bars just automatically. So you get that $5 off right now. You go to the checkout, you enter Locked On, and you'll get another $10 off. That's $15 off and just in time because they just dropped four new flavors, peanut butter, banana, pineapple, upside down cake, coconut, pecan pie, and blueberry lemon. I've got a mixed box of all of those new flavors coming to my house right now and a box of pineapple, upside down cake. So guys, uh, as the cliche goes, we're not, just, we're not just telling you guys about this. We're also consumers ourselves. So again, take advantage of the offer. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off of your first order. What's up, guys? I'm Real Mike Rob. I'm here with the defensive playmaker in D'Angelo Hall in the Hall of Fame running back in LaDainian Thomas. And guys, we're talking about quarterbacks, okay? Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. They just uh, teamed up with two golf greats and, and, and created some matchups on the golf course. Now we're going to talk about on the football field, guys. Which quarterback would you have rather have played with, Peyton Manning or Tom Brady? LT, I'll start this one with you. Well, look, man, considering that I don't have a Super Bowl ring 
I want the guy that got the most rings. You know, Tom Brady got six rings, man. You know, I'm just thinking, I played 11 years. I'm thinking, out of one of those 11 years, I'm going to get me a Super Bowl ring with Tom Brady. He got six. And then the other thing, I just got to think selfishly, guys. I'm a running back. I ain't getting the ball with Peyton Manning. He's going to be a lot of scrimmage. He's going to be checking, you know, checking to play, pass plays, getting out of run plays. I know with Tom Brady, I'm going to have a balanced offense. I'm still going to get my totes. And then the other thing, Tom Brady likes to throw it to the running back. So I'm going to eat with Tom Brady. <laughs> L- LT, that, that surprises me, dog. I mean, Peyton Manning played with possibly two running backs that you would consider to be Hall of Fame running backs. Obviously, Marshall Falk, Hall of Famer, and then Edgerin James, both of those guys, they got their carries. It's just that Peyton Manning changed the play at the line of scrimmage, right? They got their carries. No, I don't know. You see, <laughs> hey, you see Marshall had to leave, right? You see, yeah. you see Marshall up Indy. <laughs> you right, you right about that. All right, back here on the Locked On Bucks podcast, you were just listening to the voices of Michael Robinson, D'Angelo Hall, and LaDainian Tomlinson on NFL Network talking about uh, that that was kind of the end of the discussion of the golf match that James just talked about in the opening segment of today's episode. And then they turned to Peyton Manning and Tom Brady on the football field, of course, a classic rivalry, two players that everybody enjoyed seeing go head-to-head whenever they had the opportunity uh, with Tom Brady there in New England and Peyton Manning in in, in it in Indianapolis with the Colts or in Denver with the Denver Broncos. And then you heard LaDainian Tomlinson talk about how he would rather play if he had to pick between the two Hall of Famers with Tom Brady or Peyton Manning because, in in no small part, because Tom Brady won more championships, that's obvious, but also because the perception is that running backs get used more and get utilized better in a Tom Brady-led offense compared to a Peyton Manning-led offense. So James and I, we decided for this episode, that was an interesting comment from LT. So we're going to dive into that a little bit. And James, you took, for the running back part of this conversation, you took Tom Brady and running backs who have played with Tom Brady and some of the production numbers, the targets, et cetera. Uh, Go ahead and tell us what you found about running backs that play with Tom Brady. Yeah, so when you you take a look at some of these running backs that have worked with with Tom Brady – Ultimately, LT isn't too far off. Running backs tend to get more of an opportunity when playing with Brady than they do with Manning, though it's not really by a lot. Uh, Since Tom Brady became the starting quarterback in New England, the most carries that a running back has had with Brady as the starting quarterback was Corey Dillon back in 2004 with 345 carries. Whereas on the flip side, you know, with with Peyton Manning, Edron James had had 387 one year. But you have to take a look at the ability to get the ball to the running back in any capacity. It's not all about carries. So you take a look at Tom Brady, who just two years ago in a in a Super Bowl season targeted James White in the passing game 123 times. That's a lot of targets for your running back. Comparatively, the second most targets that Tom Brady has ever had at you know for a, a running back in the passing game was also James White with 95. So Tom Brady really likes to utilize his running backs immensely in any facet that he can, whether that's them carrying the ball or targeting them in the passing game. And David, we were talking before we started recording. Tom Brady really loves himself some James White. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, he really does. And we've got more James White coming up when we talk about the quarterback side of the, or the quarterback specific side of this conversation. Uh, but sticking a little bit with the running backs. So something that I found interesting is that LaDainian Tomlinson talked about, you know, well, Mike Robinson first brought up guys like Marshall Falk, guys like Edrian James. And LaDainian Tomlinson kind of said, well, Marshall had to leave Indianapolis to go get those touches and go get that Hall of Fame jacket. And, you know, we have no idea what would have happened if Marshall Falk stayed in Indianapolis. Maybe maybe Peyton Manning has more rings than he has right now. Maybe Marshall, you know, has has more rings than he has right now. I, I think both guys are still Hall of Fame caliber players no matter where they land. But I, I, when we dove into these things, I really wanted to look at, did Marshall Falk really have to leave Indianapolis to get those touches and to get that Hall of Fame career? And what I found interesting is in 12 years in the National Football League, Marshall spent five of them with Indianapolis and seven with St. Louis. Uh, his career total yards or his career to- total touches per year average came out to about 300.25. So 300 and a quarter touches per year on average. That's combined carries and receptions. And with Peyton Manning, Marshall Falk had his single highest touches season production or production season in 1998 in Peyton Manning's rookie season where he had 410 combined touches between receptions and carries. Without Peyton Manning, Marshall Falk went on to average 262.1 touches per year after he left after that, after that 1998 season. He left, went to St. Louis, joined the greatest show on turf or helped create the greatest show on turf, went on to average just 262.1 touches per year. So actually, Marshall arguably had more touches and was more involved in the offense with Peyton Manning, granted a young Peyton Manning, than he was in St. Louis. Uh, again, his highest season for touches coming in 1998 in Peyton's rookie season. Outside of playing with Peyton, his highest touches per year came, or for a year, came in 1994, which is actually before Peyton got to Indy when he had 366. His highest amount of touches for Marshall Falk after leaving Indianapolis came in 2001 when he had 343 for the St. Louis Rams, despite missing two games. So if he played those other two games, I don't think he's getting 67 touches in two games. So still that 410 would probably still go down as the highest touches in a single season for Marshall Falk. So just kind of an interesting factoid there with Ladanian saying that Marshall had to leave Indy to get those touches to get that Hall of Fame jacket. Maybe not so much. Um, then, of course, we wanted to dig into Edger and James. 11 years in the NFL, seven of those with Indianapolis and Peyton Manning. Edger finished his career with an average of 314 touches per year. With Peyton Manning, he averaged, averaged 363 touches per year. But... That included a 175-touch 2001 season where Edger and James missed 10 games. So if you adjust, adjust that number by extrapolating his averages through those six games that he did play, turn him into 16, he would have averaged 405 uh, touches with Peyton Manning. It w- was, was an amazing total. Um, without Peyton Manning, Edger and James averaged 229. But again, that number is a little bit skewed because in 2009, he only had 49 touches with the Seattle Seahawks and then 145 with Arizona in 2008. In his first two years with Arizona, after leaving the Colts, Edger and James had 375 and 348 touches, still lower than the touches he got with Peyton, but better than his average would suggest. So James, LaDainian Thomas is making the point that to be a running back and get more touches and get more effect on the offense, you want to play with Tom. But I don't know. I almost kind of feel like it's a push. Yeah, I mean, the the differences are are pretty minuscule overall. It it's so funny we're we're sitting here comparing these these two first ballot hall of fame quarterbacks and this is the the definition of splitting hairs 
And when you, when you take a look at the running back position, I think Tom Brady has the perception of utilizing his running backs more. And to a certain degree, he does. But again, the, the difference is negligible at the end of the day because both players are so intelligent and so gifted at what they do. They don't really care who the ball is going to. They're going to make the smartest play for their team to move the ball down the field and get into the end zone. And if that means getting it to a running back, then you get it to a running back. If that means throwing it to your tight end, then you throw it to your tight end. And, and the more we've kind of looked at some of these numbers, the more we've realized that, you know, obviously given the choice between the two and, and there aren't very many players that can say that they played on an offense with both guys, um, you, you can't go wrong. Right. And you go back to those James White reception numbers and target numbers that you referenced earlier. And I think that's really the biggest difference there. And that's, and that's probably why it looks different and why it feels like Tom Brady gets the running backs uh, more involved because Peyton got his running backs involved in more traditional manners, whereas Tom Brady is using them a lot more in the passing game than I think Peyton is or was. Uh, and then, of course, I think LT, even, even if we presented this data to LaDainian Tomlinson, I still think you have to go back to that very first reason he said he chooses to play with Tom Brady, and that's Super Bowl championships. That's a, that's a category where Peyton Manning, unfortunately, is never going to be able to stand in the same arena as Tom Brady because Tom Brady is just his own, his own creature when it comes to that. So I think at the end of the day, despite all those comparisons and all those facts and all those numbers, as interesting as I thought they really were, because I really went into this exercise expecting Tom Brady to have a higher running back usage rate, um, I think you still, as a running back, would have to choose to play for Tom Brady because – Tom's going to get you the ball to score to the, the game-winning touchdown in overtime and the big one. Yeah, but when you when you do take a look at, at both of these quarterbacks, there is the other side of the ball that you have to think about. And it just so happened that part of this conversation was D'Angelo Hall, a, a corner that has played against both Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, and he certainly had his thoughts on the debate. Okay, D, D Hall. Which one of these guys are harder to defend? Ooh, Which one ooh, of these guys ooh, are harder ooh. to defend against? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Both guys are extremely hard to get a beat on. But I do have a couple interception balls from old Peyton Man sitting in my closet. <laughs> one game, I even got two. Um, and so I picked Peyton off several times. I have never picked Tom Brady. I don't know if that's because one time he had Randy Moss. Another time he had uh, the, 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 some fierce tight ends um, that he just, you know, uh, dunked the ball off to those guys. Uh, but I've never been able to get an interception off of Tom Brady. But I have got a couple off of Peyton. But both guys, like I said, extremely hard to get a beat on. Um, that's what makes them some of the best. All right. That was D'Angelo Hall talking about the difficulties of going up against players like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. And, of course, he made it a point to say that he has quite a few uh, game balls that he had intercepted off of Peyton Manning. He had two in one game against Manning and uh, none against Brady. None against Brady. But there's no doubt that, that Peyton Manning and Tom Brady are two of the most prolific passers this game has ever seen. So – some guys get lucky and they, they come away with a couple of interceptions against these players, but more often than not, it was a nightmare going up against either one. It still can be a nightmare to go up against Brady, obviously. Manning, he's out there working on his golf game. We talked about that in segment one. But, uh, you know, David, we take a look at these two guys and 
it, Peyton Manning, it, it's almost funny. He started throwing the ball more later in his career than he did early on. His his top three highest attempts in a season came in 2010, 2013, and 2014. So two out of those three were in Denver. And it's it's the the evolution of the game, I think, is a big part of it. You know, these guys both started 90, you know, late 90s and, and in 2000. And we've seen the the evolution of the passing game and how it's turned into the NFL that we know of today. So you take a look at, at Peyton Manning's pass attempts in, in 2010 with 679, in 2013 with 659, in 2014 with 597. Those weren't the numbers that he was putting up early in his career. But for, for Tom Brady, he's almost the model of consistency no matter – how the NFL has changed during his tenure playing. Yeah, and I think that really, I mean, you know, the, I think the big difference between the two quarterbacks is going to come in how they, they, how they pass the ball. Um, when you look at who is being utilized by each quarterback, it kind of tells a story as to the style that each quarterback uh, likes to play. And D'Angelo Hall, either earlier in that conversation, if you saw the entire thing on NFL Network when it happened, uh, you know, Mike Robinson actually asked him, if you were going to play with one of these guys, who would you want to play with? And he kind of tried to turn the field and said, well, if I was a wide receiver, I would want to play with Peyton just because he utilizes wide receivers better and more and all that stuff. And, you know, coming from a cornerback, you can kind of try to see what it's like on the other side of the coin. Uh, but really, we wanted to dive in a little bit to exactly what type of receivers each quarterback likes to throw to. And, yeah, James, like you said, Tom Brady and his consistency, uh, his highest attempts so far in his career have come in 2012, 13, and 15. And what I found interesting with that is that two of those three years, a tight end was one of his top three targeted players. Um, in 2012, it was Wes Welker, Brandon Lloyd, and Aaron Hernandez was the third person who got 83 targets that year. In 2013, it was Julian Edelman by that time, Danny Amendola and Aaron Dobson. So three wide receivers there. But then again, in 2015, Rob Gronkowski led the entire team with 120 targets. And then it was Julian Edelman. And then again, Danny Amendola. So two of those three years where Tom Brady threw the ball the most in his career, he utilized a tight end uh, extensively. And then the other thing I found interesting was that of all these receivers that have been a top three target getter from Tom Brady, they've all been six feet or, or shorter uh, in those three seasons. None of them going above six feet. In fact, in Tom Brady's career, Randy Moss and Brandon LaFell are the only two receivers in 20 years of Tom Brady being the NFL to get 100 targets or more in a single season. Yeah, and, and then on the flip side, you take a look at, at Peyton Manning you know, in the years where he had his most pass attempts in 2010. It was Reggie Wayne, Pierre Garçon, Jacob Tammy. There's your tight end uh, out of that class. He, he finished with 93 targets. In 2013, you have Demarius Thomas, Eric Decker, Wes Welker. 2014, Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders. Wes Welker and you know out of out of his top receivers in those three years all but two were over six feet tall Emmanuel Sanders and Wes Welker the ones coming in uh you know just below that six foot mark and I even went back and looked at 2019 just out of curiosity uh the top three target getters in 2019 from Tom Brady Julian Edelman James White Philip Dorsett all of them under six feet tall uh, the only the two two of the top five receivers and targets did reach above six feet. Muhammad Sanu and Jacoby Myers both coming in over six feet tall. They combined for 88 
targets. So combined, they're still third on that list uh, behind two six footers or, or under. Um, so I don't. I, so I mean, I don't know. So Mike Evans and Chris Godwin both got 100 targets last year from Jameis Winston. So if this trend continues, and I don't know, like it, I guess Chris Godwin's the, the shorter of the two, right? So maybe Rojo, Scotty Miller, and Chris Godwin are going to be in for some big target years. Uh, but we'll see with Rob Gronkowski there, of course. And it's not that Tom Brady can't target big players or bigger, taller guys. But, I mean, on average in his career, Tom Brady targets an average of 1.2 wide receivers, so less than one and a half receivers, which you can't have a half receiver on the field. But basically he's never had two wide receivers. He very rarely, rather, has two wide receivers receiving 100 targets in a single season together. Uh, and then, again, 21 of the 29 players he has targeted 100 times or more in a single season have been under six feet. So just very interesting things. Of course, you know, the years with Randy Moss, even Brandon LaFell. I remember Brandon LaFell was on my fantasy team one year and did really well with me or for me with Tom Brady as his quarterback. So, I mean, not to say that he won't do good things, but just a very interesting conversation to have nonetheless. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, one other thing that I that I want to point out as we continue to, to look at these two guys, because it – it, it it almost surprises me some of these numbers that that we take a look at their their career quarterback rating is separated by a half of a point Peyton Manning's is 96.5 Tom Brady's is 97 their their yards per completion for their career Tom Brady 11.7 Peyton Manning 11.7 Yards per attempt, Manning 7.7, Brady 7.5. It's like these guys are darn near identical in almost everything that they did except walk away with championships. It's really I, – I recommend people actually sit down and, and kind of dive into this a little bit more because it's really fun to kind of see how how close they were as players and, and going – David, all the way back to the to the first segment. And for those of you that have the access to it, I recommend finding the episode with Tom Brady of uh, Peyton's Places, where Tom or where Peyton Manning went around and did all these different shows. It's it's on demand on on ESPN. Uh, at least it is on on YouTube TV. That's what I use. It's amazing to see that how much they competed in this this rivalry that we had for two decades, and how good of friends that they are now. And, and the conversations that they have, it's, it's really – it's one of the best things about sports, I'm going to be honest. Seeing things like that happen where these two, these two guys are pitted against each other year after year after year and to come away close friends with, with that respect on the field and that respect off the field, there's no other way to say it. You love to see it. And, of course, we have one more person to hear from, David, and that was Michael Robinson. Well, guys, I, I like the New England Patriots, and I, I would play with Tom Brady. Uh, obviously, six-round pick, a guy who understands how to kind of work his way up. You know, he, he didn't come in this league as first-rounders like you two guys did. You know what I mean? He was kind of more like me, uh, more of a role player at first and got into this league a little bit later. So I just like Tom Brady's fight, right? I like his fight, and I like the fact that he's going to perform in the big situations to get us – to the W. All right, guys, at the end of the day, you can't go wrong with either of these great quarterbacks. That is 100% correct. You can't go wrong with either one of these quarterbacks. And David, you and I have said that a couple of times throughout the show, but if I have to choose one, 
I'm going to lean Tom Brady. And it's going to be for the exact same reason that LT did. At the end of the day, when you're splitting hairs, it's you're gonna you're going to give the tiebreaker to the guy with six rings as opposed to the guy with two. Yeah, absolutely. And you, and you can't argue with that. David, I think we are out of here. So please send us your voicemails to 813-444-5841. Coming up on Friday's episode, I think David and I are going to talk a little bit about the last dance. We haven't done so on the show. I realize it's a Chicago Bulls documentary on a Buccaneers podcast, but let's face it, the majority of people were captivated by the story. And you know what? Why not talk a little bit about it? So if you have any thoughts on The Last Dance, send us those voicemails and we will make sure that you are a part of the show. As always, head to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code Locked On for $10 off your first order. And right now you can double up on those discounts with the deals they have going on over there. Check out everything David and I are doing over at BucksNation.com. Follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. Stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands. And we thank you so much for joining us right here at LockedOnBucks. Bucks.